Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. Low Country Cuisine of the Georgia Coast and South Carolina Low Country is similar to Cajun cooking and the food of New Orleans and is strongly influenced by African cuisine. Meet us at the table to hear more about the seafood, rice, and one-pot meals that make this food special. I'm Lainey. And I'm Laura Beth. And we are Steel Magnolias. The strength of steel with the grace of a magnolia. We are here to have uplifting conversations about life in the South. And we've got plenty of room at our table. So pull up a chair. Well, I have mentioned on this podcast before, one of my all-time favorite southern cities is Charleston, South Carolina. And I finally got to experience this iconic city with Lainey. Yes, my second trip, but first time with you. Yeah, so I let you um, do a little itinerary planning for us. Yeah, and one of the things that was, you know, so, I guess staple of this city is she crab soup yep so in the search for where to land on trying the she crab soup of charleston um there's an older restaurant called 82 queen Mm -hmm. that's pretty famous for their she crab soup they're in the right in the downtown charleston area yeah but we thought okay well they also have a sister restaurant florence's low country kitchen a little newer Mm -hmm. um casual place yeah and we got to sit down with their executive chef that's right and we're going to be sharing that interview with you guys here shortly but first let's just talk a little bit of the history of florence's okay well florence's low country kitchen is a tribute to florence mosley the great grandmother of jonathan and patrick kish of queen street hospitality group florence was born in 1908 in charleston and she and her husband, Jesse Powell, really enjoyed their life in the low country, crabbing, fishing, visiting the Limehouse Farmer's Market, and creating delicious home-cooked southern meals. Some of their favorite meals were crab, shrimp, fish, and fried chicken and waffles. And Florence passed her recipes down to the great-granddaughter, um, Tyler, who married Steve Kish, the founder of that Queen Street Hospitality Group. So thus was born this restaurant with these old recipes. Yes, and speaking of old recipes, one of the ones that we did find out is shared between the sister restaurants 
is this she-crab she soup recipe. And executive chef Matt Chaplin is at the helm of all that. And before we get into reading a little bit about his culinary background, I just thought it was remarkable that the lineage and family ancestry he has goes back multiple generations to a family that lived in Charleston, that occupied land, like going back to the foundation of this country. And you just hardly find people these days that have been here and maybe their parents have also lived in Charleston. But going back as many generations. Four and five generations. That's unique. That he has was just so unique. So, Well, he, Matthew Chaplin, their executive chef, attended the Culinary Institute of Charleston. He's had experience in dive bars, food trucks. He um, studied organic cuisine and Asheville, North Carolina. He has experience as the protein chef at Middleton Place. Lots of different directions that he went. And he has kind of put a spin on some of these old recipes. Uh The chicken and waffles and shrimp and grits and that kind of thing. So it has his own touch. So we got to experience some of those wonderful dishes and we can't wait to tell you about it. Yeah, if you don't follow us already on Instagram, I would encourage you to do that at Steel Magnolias Podcast. We're going to be posting some photos and video of just our experience after our interview. We we sat down and ate an amazing spread of food with Chef Matthew. So without further ado, here's our conversation on Low Country Cooking. Well, we are excited to be sitting with our new friend, Matt. And so, Matt, one of the ways I wanted to start here, we are a Southern Culture podcast, but we actually have listeners all over the place. So, with that, how would you describe low country cooking? And even some of the key components of that. Well, low country cooking is very different than most cultures. Um, We focus on primarily fresh, uh, locally grown goods, things that are predominantly only grown in this area, Um, things that have been grown on the plantations since the beginning of the Americas. We use a lot of rices. We pull a lot of fresh seafood from the rivers, fresh shrimp, fresh crabs, fresh fish. So what I pride myself here in the restaurant on is our accessibility to fresh proteins and the use of them in all of our dishes. So low country cuisine summed up would probably be fresh, flavorful, and local. Okay. Love I so love good. that too. And talk to us just briefly about the spices or seasoning in a low country dish. Ooh, so uh, a lot of low country dishes focus on a blend of American and French spices. Uh, we okay. use a lot of bay leaves and things, a lot of black pepper, a lot of butter. Um, yes. There's uh, just about everything you can have in southern food has at least a trace of butter in it, yep. if not a pound. Absolutely. <laughs> That's so good. Everything you just described (laughs) sounds so good. Now, this city in particular has had a lot of influence from the Gullah culture. And for any listeners who aren't familiar with what that is, the um, West African slaves that came over to this area were, that's their culture, is their Gullah. And 
I know they even brought with them some ingredients that came to the region. And I was just curious, kind of what would you say their influence has been on the food here? Oh, geez. Uh, Low country cuisine is pretty much primarily made of Gullah cuisine. Uh, Almost everything that the Low Country is known for, everything that we specialize in, was all brought over from West Africa by the Gullah community that settled in the Barrier Islands here off of South Carolina. Um, They were the first ones to initiate putting local seafood in their dishes. They were the first ones to include local shrimp Uh, A lot of the dishes that people have come to know really well here, things like frogmore stew or low country boils and chicken perlos, those are all actually Gullah-centered meals. Uh, In their culture, it was predominantly one-pot meals. Um, They would cook it over their fire, feed their entire communities, and that was brought to America with them. Um, They would start doing large pots of seafood, Uh, all boiled off with some spices and some herbs in it and they would serve it over the rice that was being grown here they would serve it with some vegetables that they brought a lot of vegetables from here all the seeds were brought from west africa or from the caribbean so it's it's just about any one pot meal that we're known for is actually a gullah meal wow okay so that kind of reminds me of red rice can you talk to us about charleston red rice oh, that's another wonderful uh single pot meal yes. as well uh, red rice is a white rice here in charleston we primarily use carolina gold rice that's one of the more featured rices of the area it's all locally grown and the key component of red rice is to cook that rice in a tomato broth rather than just water you crush tomatoes, tomato paste, some seasoning, some, some broth, some water. You put it all in the pot. You put all your onions, your peppers, your sausage, everything down in one pot, and you cook it until it stiffens up. And because that water is tinted from your tomatoes and your tomato paste, that is what gives red rice its color. It also gives it all of its flavor. It is an incredibly different flavor profile from any other rice you'll ever have. And in my opinion... You throw the right amount of sausage and spice in there, it's absolutely amazing. Wow. And is that what it would typically be served with, would be like a sausage? Mm -hmm. It's usually, uh, I use andouille sausage here, uh, as well as some uh, country-style crushed pork sausage, uh, onions, peppers, bay leaves, uh, salt, peppers, garlic, uh, all sorts of stuff. I wasn't hungry, I am now. I know. (laughs) So I am curious, as a chef... What do you look forward to that's like in season? Like what are some of those things you like? So ever since I was a little kid growing up in the country, I have looked forward to tomato season here. It is my all-time favorite thing. When I was young and me and my family grew a bunch of produce and vegetables and we grew tomatoes and it was almost tradition. Every time we got our first tomato, me and my dad would go out, we'd pick it, cut it thick slice, white bread, Duke's mayonnaise, salt and pepper. Yes. And that is all it needed. The best. And it yes. is the best. It's so simple. There's no cooking involved. But yeah. it is what I've looked forward to more than anything else in any other season in this town since I was little. It is hard to beat a good tomato sandwich. You are absolutely right. And that Duke's mayonnaise is the one. Uh-huh. It's the only. It is. <laughs> it is. We are on the same page on that for sure. Okay, now I've already looked over the menu here at Florence's Kitchen, and uh, I'm just curious, what is your favorite dish to prepare on the menu? And then secondly, 
it may or be, may be the same, but what's your favorite thing to eat that's on the menu? So y'all are asking me to pick a favorite child here. <laughs> I know, and that totally. Is, that is a very difficult thing. I, I can narrow it down to two. That's totally fair. I can't fair. narrow it down to one. Okay, fair enough. One of my favorites is our fried green tomatoes. It's my favorite thing to make because the presentation of it is absolutely gorgeous. We do a bed of Yellowstone ground marsh hen mill grits. We do a golden brown fried breaded green tomato. In between each tomato, we put a layer of pimento cheese. We stack them three high, and then we top it with our house-made red pepper jam, which is a sweet pepper jam. And the it's beautiful. The presentation is great, but the flavor tops everything. Cannot it's, wait to try it's that. It's also <laughs> one of my favorites to eat. The other one that's my favorite is our shrimp and grits. It is very close to home for me. Uh, the recipe I used was my father's recipe. He used to make it for me all the time growing up. And uh, it's kind of like my tribute to him in the restaurant and I, I brought his recipe in for that and it is fantastic. I use a red eye gravy which is a little different than what most people do here. Uh, so it's a coffee and ham based gravy. Um, I do once again the Yellowstone ground grits. The red eye gravy I use fresh local shrimp grilled to where they're not quite chewy like a lot of people seem to do around here. Um, and then I top it with a good handful of bacon and some green onions over the top. And it comes out absolutely fantastic. I, that is something that I eat almost every day. <laughs> Would your dad have topped it with the green onions? That sounds so, like such a good addition. He used to serve it just plain. Uh -huh. um, and he'd serve it in the morning with breakfast with bacon on the side, okay. oh, which is yeah. where I got the idea yes. of it. Yes. So I just took that bacon on the side and crumbled, crumbled it up it and up. topped it on there. I love that. And um, I love the flavor of a chive or a green onion or anything like that. It's like a little bit of herbal note to what is a very butter-heavy meal. And you get that little twinge of onion flavor on the top. It sets it off. It sounds delicious. Okay, well, you've already mentioned stone ground grits. Uh, we did a whole episode just on grits because if people have not had good grits, they don't know what they're missing. But what are you, like, just tell me a little bit about your favorite grits. Um, the only ones I use both in my restaurant and at my home is uh, Marsh Hen Mill Grits. They're Yellowstone ground, locally made out near Edisto. Um, they're all from right here. It was previously uh, Geechee Boy. Yes. And yeah. I used them at the past three restaurants I've been at, and I've been using them in my home since you know, I was a little kid. They, they, they've always had, just in my opinion, a superior product. Um, there's a bunch of them around here uh, that are great. Uh, but that would hands down be my favorite. Okay. Now the reason we are here was we were drawn to try your she crab soup. Mm -hmm. As so. are most people who come in. <laughs> and this, some of you, if you've ever heard of the restaurant 82 Queen in Charleston, that's the sister restaurant to Florence's Low Country Kitchen, and similar she crab soup. And you guys even sell the mix, I understand, yeah. for that. So, one, I just wanted to hear about your particular she-crab soup. And then is this mix, if I try the mix, is it going to get me off to a good start? <laughs> <laughs> so, our she-crab here is a very traditional cream-based she-crab. It's a low and slow-cooked, um, long-process she-crab. 
Uh, you start with obviously your mirepoix, which is your, your carrots and your celery and your onions that have all been minced up. You saute them down until they've all sweated and they're almost nothing. You add in a bunch of roux, your butter and your flour, add in a whole bunch of cream and milk, some spices, some seasonings. I use fresh lump crab and crab roe. Um, I do mine with excess sherry because I think the flavor of sherry is, is amazing and a good she crab soup. And then once everything's in the pot, like I was talking earlier about the one pot meals, it, it all just simmers and steeps. It's like making a big old pot of tea. You know, I let those flavors soak in. The roux thickens the cream. And, and after about four hours at a low temp, we have the perfect sheet crab. Um, as far as the containers go of the pre-made sheet crab, that cuts that four hours out. That cuts all of your prep for your mise en place out. It cuts the need to make a roux out. Uh, all you really need is that container plus some lump crab, some crab roe, some cream and milk. Not even sherry. It's Now, you don't <laughs> need sherry, but you're going to want it. I'm going to want a little more. Okay. Uh, the way that good I do know. mine, um, I, do, I do a good bit of sherry in, okay. and then I also like to top mine with a little drizzle of sherry on top. Okay. Uh, something about that, in my opinion, just sets off that cream base perfectly. Oh. Awesome. What's crab roe? So crab roe is the reason it's called she-crab. Okay. Uh, crab roe is the eggs of the female crab. Okay. Uh, they are crab caviar. Yes. It, it okay. is amazing. They're small yellow balls of flavor. Okay. Uh, that is where a lot of she-crabs will get their color. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you'll see some she-crabs that are a darker hue of cream than others okay those usually use more carrot or more crab roe or they'll put okay. some sort of a hot sauce in it but okay. the crab roe themselves is what gives it that little touch of orange okay so good okay so speaking of hot sauce you have hot sauce here right i have the hot sauce <laughs> tell us about your hot sauce I, I am a hot sauce fiend first of all <laughs> ever ever since i was little uh i it made it my goal to try and find the perfect hot sauce and i never could uh, you get a lot of hot sauces that are hot for the fact of being hot. Yes. And then you get a lot of hot sauces that are pepper-centered, which are very flavorful, but sometimes don't give you that heat that you want. And I've set off to try and make that perfect blend. So I have a cayenne pepper-based sauce, um, and I use a lot of seasonings that I'm never going to disclose. <laughs> uh, but I will tell you that come end product... Uh, I have something that has heat. You'll feel it in the back of your throat. You'll taste every herb and seasoning that I've put into it. And it finishes with a touch of sweetness. And that's oh. the only thing I will give away is the brown sugar. Okay. And, and so, so it's, it's balanced to the point that it won't completely light you unnecessarily on fire. But it, it complements, in specific, the fried chicken that I have here. It complements it so perfectly. Um, it is my favorite hot sauce. Ever since I've come up with it, I threw away every hot sauce bottle that was in my house, and it is the only one I use now. Right. Not bias at all or anything, but <laughs> it is the only one I use. And uh, I've been requested for the past three Christmases to make sure that's everyone in my family gets a bottle for Christmas. That's <laughs> what people want. Okay. 
but so how long until you're ready to bottle this and put your name on oh, it? Oh, I am ready. <laughs> I am I am already ready. But there are a lot of stipulations to yeah. go through. Yeah. Um, we previously had taken the initiative to try and get FDA certified for bottling. Our facility here is unfortunately a little too small. Interesting. Um, okay. We don't have some of the necessary equipment to do it on a mass scale. Okay. Um, but we ha- are looking into some places now that have the facilities and equipment available who are FDA certified kitchens cool. so that I can take my recipe to the market. That's so and that's, good. That's what oh, I'm looking for. But until it's available in stores, you can definitely buy it on our website. Yes. You can buy it in the restaurant. Yeah. Um, and it's it's amazing. It makes yeah. great Christmas presents. So well, good. I'm planning on getting a little of that. Even if it's yes. a right. Christmas present to yourself. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Okay, talk to us, Chef Matt, about oysters. Oysters in Charleston. Oh, oysters in Who's Charleston. Got the best ones. Um. Well, it that's a loaded question. It is because um, how do you like them? So and there, all that, there are a lot of people who say that you know they'll only do steamed oysters. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who only do fried oysters. There's a lot of people who only do raw oysters. I am one of the people who only does raw oysters. Okay. I I enjoy them other ways, but mm-hmm. primarily. If you want to get the true flavor of an oyster, you got to eat them raw. Okay. And I grew up, like I said, out in Hollywood where me and my best friend went out in a John boat on the weekends and picked our own oysters and ate them in the boat. Not Hollywood, oh. California, no, in case you're picking not. that up. Not the city of lights, the city of one stoplight. I love it. <laughs> and uh, so I would say Bowens Island is, is, a, is a great local place that does steamed oysters. They're incredibly famous. They're no frills all just good seafood on a little tiny island with the most beautiful scenery you've ever seen it's great um fried oysters i'm we do a really good fried oyster here we we do we have a secret menu item that's not on our menu it's a fried oyster po' boy that we sell gotta gotta ask for it though you can't find it and and raw oysters there's a couple of places around town that have very good raw oysters. There's only a couple that really specialize in the local oysters, though. There's, um, there's a bunch of people who do, like, PEI oysters or Virginia oysters. And granted, the season down here is short, so sometimes you have to go for those. But I would look. I know that even though it's a chain, uh, Rappahannock downtown always has a focus at least two local ones they usually use like the steamboats from out in hollywood or the single ladies from edisto um, which are absolutely fantastic Uh, if you really really want good local oysters then skip the restaurant and go to the seafood markets because that is where you're going to get true local oysters you're Mm going to support local people who are going out and picking these oysters for a living and it is unadulterated deliciousness. Okay. That's a great tip. That's, those are all We might need really to put tips. that on the itinerary. I know. I know. <laughs> all right. So last question. I am curious to know, totally just your own opinion, must see things to do in Charleston for an authentic experience. For an authentic experience. Because you've been here a while. You've I've, been here your whole life. I have. So I feel like we're getting a good source this, for this is a good question. Source. No pressure, but. I would definitely say that if you want to experience what made Charleston, Charleston, 
take a trip out to the plantations. Um, Middleton Plantation is beautiful. I used to work in their kitchen out there on the property. They have a functioning rice paddy um, where they make Carolina gold rice. So it's a good taste of the old days and how Charleston came to be. Magnolia Plantation is beautiful as well. Um, Past that, of course, you've got your standard tourist places like the Angel Oak, which I will never take away from its beauty. It is absolutely awe-striking in how massive that tree is. I would recommend going to see that. But 400 years old, is that right? I or think so, that's approximately what I think they think. That's uh, I can't even wrap my mind around a tree that you also can't wrap your arms around. Yes, yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Past that, it, there's a bunch of local spots here um, that aren't really the tourist I'm coming to Charleston to see it that's what I'm digging that are off the beaten path places that are new Um, one of my favorite spots in town is a music venue it's called the poor house as well as being a music venue on Sundays they are a farmer's market Uh, during all their shows they have a food truck on the deck that's a local food truck and there's a delicious restaurant attached to it as well so it's it's everything all all in one little spot uh, we have literally a farmer's market every day in the season here. And, and all different parts of town, there's one every single day of the week. So any day you're here and it's spring or summer, go get yourself some fresh produce. They usually have uh, people out there like Rio Bertolini, who's making fresh local pastas, fresh food trucks, people making local cheeses and breads. The, that's my my most wonderful place on earth is a farmer's market. You know, uh, there's a lot of great makers all in Charleston in every realm, not even absolutely. just food. I it's, mean, there's so many people doing leather. so much. Like, in there's this just town. so much cool, mm-hmm. good stuff made in Charleston. And if I could give one recommendation for a restaurant that is in no way a Charleston restaurant. There's no low country cuisine to it, whatever. <laughs> Just opened up. It is a place downtown Charleston called Pink Bellies. Pink Bellies? Pink like the bellies. color pink? Okay. Yes. Uh, it's a good friend of mine, Ty. Okay. Uh, he grew up in uh, Saigon, Vietnam, and he came through California, and he settled down here. And when we were younger, we both ran food trucks, and he has taken his food truck to an actual brick-and-mortar restaurant. And it is some of the most delicious food that there is but it is a small small spot on upper king kind of away from all the tourist stuff and they're only open thursday through sunday is it vietnamese it is and it is it is about as amazingly authentic as you can possibly get but he puts his spin on things that are so fantastic the spicy garlic noodles probably my favorite dish in this entire town um, oh my goodness! Y- you know that this is now added to our list because I, I love I know. Asian food. Yes, she does, and, and on, I do too. On top of it all, he has brought one of my favorite treats from the West Coast over here. He, while out there, fell in love just like I did with In-N-Out Burger. Okay. Uh-huh. And he does an animal-style burger on his menu. That is so good. Is it? It has nothing to do with Vietnamese cuisine, but, but I love he it. has it, too. and it is—it's a char charbroiled burger uh-huh. on a freshly made bun and it is sloppy and it is messy and it is fantastic oh my goodness <laughs> sign me up for that i know that i'm so great. glad you mentioned that those are the sorts of things that it's so important to dig around and find either talk to some people once you get into town 
or just take that rabbit trail of reviews of places online to just really try and figure out some great places that might not be on the typical agenda. So thank you for that recommendation. That is literally what I'm here for. (laughs) That sounds so fabulous. Well, we are very excited that after putting all these wired mics away, we're going to get to eat some of this wonderful low country cooking. Yes, and yes. I don't even know what to tell you I want to try first because there's oh, so well, many things that sound good. you let me handle that. <laughs> I, I already trust you, so I, <laughs> I have full 100%. confidence that you're going to choose well. Well, thank you so much, Chef oh, Matt. Thank you all so much. I appreciate it. This yeah, is really fun. And, Just um, blessings on you as a chef in this restaurant, too. I'm excited to yeah. be here. Yeah. So we'll put all the links to um, find your way to Florence's if you come to Charleston, but also links to make some purchases, some of the products that we mentioned today, so you guys can feel like you're here even if you can't physically come and visit. That's right. And I love giving gifts of things like that, too. So food gifts are fun to me. They're the best. So before we officially sign off, I just wanted to make sure that everybody knows that we will be taking summer break next week and stay connected to us so that you know when we are back with new episodes. We are excited to get some time to continue to travel the wonderful southeast, south southern portion of the United States and research and just continue to come up with more content of the wonderful culture that is the south so with that i will leave you with peace be with you and also with y'all